Whether you're a founder or an entrepreneur, you want to take your company value to 300 million, we're going to show you how to do it. Well, we got your roadmap, your aspirations. We'll give you a game plan and strategies. This is controlling your company's destiny today by tuning in to Private Capital Mastery. Yeah, let's start the show. Welcome back to the Private Capital Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Franco, and today we have an esteemed expert who will shed light on how project development and management are intricately tied to the valuation and exit planning of your business. Brian Monroe, managing partner of MTI Global Group. Brian is a master at project management and development who understands not only how to identify the right strategy for your business, but also how to remove the barriers holding you back from maximizing your valuation. Brian, thanks for being with us here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. It's going to be um, definitely some valuable information and uh, in the work that you do, have done and, and continue to do. Um, before, I have plenty of questions, right? And would love to you know dive into those, but give, give us a little background on yourself and, and, and what, in your journey, what, what makes you an expert, right? Let, let the audience know. I mean, what... And what have you done and what have you accomplished? And just some highlights for us. Sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I've, I've been project managing for about 26, 27 years now. Yeah. And a um, number of different clients, number of different industries. So as a result of that, I've seen a lot of different things that, you know, maybe you'd see in manufacturing, you wouldn't see in healthcare. Maybe Correct. you see in telecom and you don't see it in finance. So you get that kind of breadth of experience. The other thing is back around the mid 2000s, I started to evaluate a lot of the projects I was working on and realized that I was actually doing a lot of what I call project rescue. Hmm. So I was actually going in after they started, they had gone off the rails, were starting to get in trouble, and I was going in and bringing them back in line and helping close them. Hmm. As a result of that, you learn really quickly how to avoid getting into trouble in the first place so that when you're working on a regular project, just a normal, you know, you're, 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 hoping, you're hoping it doesn't get in trouble, but you're scoping out a regular project, yeah. you already know what to be looking for. What are the signs and the symptoms to be watching yes. for as you put the plan together? And as a result of that, we tend to move our projects a little faster and a little cleaner as far as, you know, if you had to look at our risk register or yes. issue log. So, so it's, it's proactive work versus reactive work. Absolutely. And I love that. Let, let me tell you why I love that. Because in the Private Capital Mastery podcast, you know, in the 20 years I've been in investment banking and M&A advisory, you know, we see what doesn't work and we see what works all the time, right? And so our job and our role is typically to, I'd like to say, is to see around corners, right? And as you're walking down this journey with a client, whether it's you or me and our work, we have to know where the landmines are buried, right? Because if we move anyone in the direction of danger or harm or anything that's going to cause the business to, I don't want to say, you know, fail, but, you know, in, in some segments it can, right, fail. If, yeah. if, if you do this the wrong way, yeah. you, can, you can really damage a company. But knowing where those landmines are buried, and you don't know them until you 
really stepped on them <laughs> right <laughs> along the way. So once or twice. yeah, so 26 years <laughs> yeah. you stepped on a couple landmines. I'll admit I, I have yeah. uh, you know yeah. along the way, but it's those experiences that you take with you forever and you will never step on that same landmine again. <laughs> exactly. Because you've learned what are the signs yes. that are popping up that I should be taking notice of yeah. when I'm still 10 feet away from the landmine. Because there are signs. The signs are there. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's go on a couple case studies and, and talk sure. about that because, you know, illustrating this with case study always brings us to life. And, and so I'll, I'll dive into a couple questions with you here. Um, you know, for example, um, for businesses navigating valuation and exit planning, what are the common plan, uh, what are the common pain points or challenges associated with their projects or initiatives that, that are you know, basically designed specifically to increase the valuation? So probably the biggest challenge we get is resource utilization. Mm. You, you know, th these, these companies, they take a look at what needs to be done. They've got a good idea now what they, yeah. they think they need to do. And they take a look at the people they have around them going, well, wait a second. Everybody has a full-time job still. Yeah. So, how, some, how, some of job and a half. Right? Exactly. Yeah. How can they possibly take on the 10 things you just identified or that, you know, the team identified that we need to do. Hmm. And so that's probably the, probably the number one challenge we get. Yeah. Um, I would say the second one is if the exit or maybe it's not an exit, maybe it's part of an acquisition or a merger. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they did a merger, you know, the year prior mm. and they're doing another one. Well, now you've got a bunch of disparate systems yeah. and it's like, okay, wait a second, we need to bring those together yeah. before we can actually move forward. So you've got that. Yeah. You've got that as well. So the integration yeah. of uh, uh, almost a, a Frankenstein version of this system and that system and that system all taped together, where you're 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 taking out the tape and you're putting them these machines and systems yeah. together uh, into one unified you know platform, right? Exactly. Which yeah. is important when there is a, a roll up strategy or you know mergers occurring, um, because that ultimately impacts culture, which is a different subject, but it does impact culture. If if you and I are with the same organization, but you work in that silo and I work in this system and this silo, it it it's um it, it does it does cause some separation. You would be surprised how people get attached to yeah. their system. Yeah. Right. yeah, and, yeah. And you, you tell them well we have to change that. Then again culturally they're like, wait a second, don't yeah. don't be touching my system. <laughs> <laughs> That's their domain, yeah. right? That's funny. So, Brian, how do these issues in these areas impact the overall health and strategic positioning um, of the business, especially when it comes to a sale or a, an exit of that business? A well, successful exit, let's Right. Well, we talked about the example of people getting entrenched in their own systems. Yeah. So when you're moving an organization forward and you have to take three systems down to one, mm. then you need to be making sure that Let's say there's a person assigned to each one. Yeah. All three of them are part of this transition going forward because in the event that, you know, somebody decides that this isn't where they want to be, this isn't something they want to do, yeah. you've got to make sure you've got that coverage moving forward. So yeah. that's one of the things we have to do. And from a health, a project health perspective, you're actually, in this case, you're monitoring the health of the morale mm. of the team itself. So you could measure that? 
Yeah, you you can. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's obviously more felt than anything. yeah. You yeah. know when you walk yeah. into an yeah. office and yes. you can just ooh, what's going on here? Yeah. It's a, that business just, intuition. Yeah, it just doesn't feel yeah. right. But you can you can actually measure that. And um, you know, one of the things we're doing is we're always looking at what is the overall sense of morale. Mm. Are people encouraged by mm. what they're doing, or yes. can you see them sort of backing off and not necessarily being yeah. as engaging as you need them to be? Yes to prepare for this exit. Yeah. So Brian, how do you prioritize, you know, the, the, the level of, of management or integration of these companies, you know, for purposes of, of business valuation, right? right? Are you doing some sort of initial analysis or survey or what does that look like? So I'm relying heavily on the business owner and the finance team. And if there's an investment firm involved, that, that, team as yeah. a whole to start setting the valuation of what these individual initiatives or projects mm -hmm. could yeah. do. What I'm doing is I'm taking a look at the priority from a project management lens perspective saying, all right, what can we do first, second, third? Mm -hmm. What order should we do this? What time of year is it? Who do we need available mm -hmm. on each of these projects? When are they available? You know, obviously yeah. towards a, towards a, a year end, you're right. not going to get yeah the finance team helping you out a lot. No. So maybe we should focus yeah. on some IT based projects or <laughs> you know, things. So yeah. I'm looking at I'm looking at prioritization from a project management lens mm -hmm. and then presenting it. And then of course, like everything else, we're we're either using um, the client's project management tools okay. if they've got it or we're using our own. Yeah. Tracking these month over month and saying, hey, you know, you're twenty five percent complete on this one now. Yeah. You're gonna start to see some realization yeah. as uh, as we get into the 50 75% complete. And I appreciate that because in the work that we do, you know, there are KPIs that operators will use to run the day to day that are often different than the KPIs we would use to measure the transferability and or the valuation or collectively both in that business, right? So, you know, EBITDA, I mean, I, I have this license plate on, on the desk here and, and, you know, it's an acronym, you know, earnings before interest taxes, depreciation and amortization. Not everyone knows that. Right. And um, but that's a key measurement that we use in our in our industry to measure value. Right. Not the only methodology. There's there's several, if not, you know, actually there's dozens of methodologies to measure the value of a business. But this is one that is used. And we have never stepped into a company that's operating the day to day based on a measurement of EBITDA. You know, it's usually. Uh, always feeding EBITDA or yep. leading to that con conclusion of, of a resulting equation, right? But never do you see the production guy and the sales guy, all right, well, our EBITDA target this month is X, right? And, and it doesn't have to be because there are influences upon EBITDA that come from a variety of KPIs, depending on the industry, as you described. And you know, what you what you measure in healthcare is not what you're going to measure in manufacturing. What you measure in manufacturing is not what you're going to measure in engineering. Right? They're different. They're different uh, measurements that need to be made. But how do you how do you get those stakeholders to participate in either replacing KPIs or adding KPIs? Um, and then further, I mean, it, it's an art what you do because there's no playbook on. Here's how you get a human being to change their behavior. There's not one book that tells you that, right? Right. How do you do it? How do you approach that? 
so you're absolutely right. Like project leadership is like yeah. volunteer leadership, servant leadership. Mm -hmm. You're relying on your ability to influence, your ability to sell, your ability to create a vision, mm -hmm. uh, an idea. And what I'm doing is I'm looking at these individuals. They're there for a reason. So first and foremost, myself and my team, we're recognizing why they're there. Mm -hmm. They're an expert in their space. Acknowledging that. Yes. And then starting to introduce the new ideas and new concepts and saying, based on your 20 years of experience, when I say A, B, and C, what do you hear? And so I'm getting them involved right at the very beginning, edifying their experience as we go. Yeah. As soon as you do that, then all of a sudden the new ideas are kind of their ideas. Mm -hmm. And once they're their ideas, they're sold. Yeah, because you take ownership. Naturally, we, we will yeah. take ownership of yeah. that, right? And and without that ownership, you, you lose that accountability and even that that drive that that we need from all players on the team. You know, especially right. in a, especially in a company, right? You know, you, at times you'll have two experts in the same area, but that's usually a, a a global company that's spanning geographies that need multiple experts in the same industry in different geographies, right? Absolutely. But, you know, in a local geographic company, you know, you don't typically find two experts, you know, in, in one company. But you usually have your lead and yeah. then there and then their yes. secondary. Yes. You, you kind of get into that. And exactly. The two of them have already come to come to the minds themselves yeah. already. Yeah. So yeah. they kind of speak in one voice anyway. So. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, as, as we as we move along here, I have a couple more questions for you, um, because this is fascinating and. You know, we, you know, as you described, it's, you know, you're working to identify those, those challenges or those, those hurdles that could impede the growth from a valuation standpoint. And that's important in the work that we do because we want our clients fully prepared once they come to the point of a, a transaction or a triggering event for that transaction. We want them to know like, okay, I could feel, feel confident. I could be confident. We can make it through a due diligence process. Here's our systems. Here's the people managing those systems, especially when the leadership or the stakeholders um, are exiting the business, right? Upon right. sale. Right. Because, you know, what I find in the work that we do, and we could cure this if, if, if there's a perception that certain leaders or key stakeholders need to remain with the business for a transitional period, you know, we could, we could arrange for that. We could structure the deal so that it accommodates yep. for that. But the goal is to not have to have me in our firm, you know, accommodate those sorts of perceptions right. of risk because ultimately when you look at the math, it it diminishes valuation or it it creates a need for less desirable terms from right. the seller side of the table, right? And you see this all the time, I imagine. Yeah, you, you, you do. And yeah. so obviously the, the path that we're in is everybody's exiting at the same time. Yeah. And as a result of that, that, you know, creates its own little challenges as far yeah. as timing. And, yep. you know, I, I'll think that we need to do something, you know, we need to do A, B, and C. And they're like, well, I think we want to do B <laughs> before C. Well, why do you feel that way? Yeah. You'll be surprised that when you get into the, when you get into a, looking at a list of projects or a list of initiatives mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, we get the pet project syndrome that pops up every once in a mm -hmm. while. It's something they've always wanted to do. Yeah. And now that the 
now the flavor is we're doing a bunch of these projects. Well, let's do this one we've always wanted to do. Yeah. Sometimes you're going back in and saying, yeah, but it's not going to give you the result that you're looking for yeah. at this at this point in time. Yeah. You know, I, I liken it to your home. You, you know, your home. You're um, you're selling your house in six months' time. Mm-hmm. You're told, take all the carpet out, put it in hardwood. Mm-hmm. You've always wanted Italian marble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Now's not the yeah, time. No, it's not the no. time. Yeah. Hardwood to do. Hard, yeah. Hardwood gives you the best, yeah. you know, the best dollar. Yeah, so. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Something that ultimately appeals to the intended target for yeah. that business or in your illustration for that home. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's a good way to, it's a good way to put it because yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Um, so when you think about the possibilities, right, um, you know, h- how do you achieve an effective program or project management, you know, that, that plays this critical role that we're talking about, right? And, and, and we kind of touched on it just a moment ago, but, you know, in, in the perception or in the eyes of the investor, right? Because if, if you look at this with the end in mind, and, and that ultimately is, how's the, in, not, if you're the business operator and owner, to say it bluntly, like, I don't really care what you think uh, about your business. It's if you're going to market, how does the world perce- perceive you? And specifically, how does the investment community perceive you? And as harsh as that may sound, like, I certainly care about the individual, right? But if, if, if their perception or if their priorities, to your point, right, those pet projects yeah. become your priorities as the advisor, you would not be as in, in, impactful on that organization versus following what you have designed to do in these companies. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where the tough conversations come yeah. in. Yeah. You know, you have to, it's, it's a little bit of a letdown sometimes, it but is. you've got to do it. Yeah. And what I've found is once we get one or two months into it and everything's kind of starting to flow and everything's being tracked and our, you know, our project metrics are being tracked and we're mm-hmm. looking at risks and issues and dependencies across all of them. And then I'm looking at it from a portfolio holistic view. Yeah. That seems to settle down at that point. It's, yeah. it's soon forgotten that, you know, hey, I really did want Italian marble. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Put the Italian marble on the next yeah. project. <laughs> it's, it's, it's done. <laughs> I think that um, when, you, when you're able to open the eyes of, of stakeholders and companies and show them, you know, what those perceptions are, it it allows them to take, like you were saying, their creative thoughts and, and their and their priorities, right? And rolling those into the overall strategy because let's face it, I mean, they're they're 10, 20, 30 years into their profession. They they've seen it as well, right? Yep. So you you, know, you you value that and I love that you value that and you speak with each of these individuals, not just to appease them, but to truly extract from them, you know, the, the true uh, impactful ideas that they have on the organization and then putting them into that priority list um, that ultimately drives the strategy, right? How, do, how long do these strategies typically take to, to implement for, for you and your team? You know, we've done some that'll take a matter of a couple months and yeah. then others go, you know, nine or nine or 12 months, depending on what okay. it is. If you're, you know, obviously if you're overhauling a complete yeah. IT system, that's going to take, longer implementing new software that's Mm going to take longer as well so it's all dependent yeah but one thing that came to mind you you know when you mentioned stakeholders Mm -hmm. you know you'll have a habit of looking at a person saying this is a key stakeholder in this project well when i look at stakeholders 
sounds funny, but I look at them with a bit of a matrix or graph on their face. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at every single stakeholder under two things. What is their level of influence mm-hmm. and what is their interest? Because yeah. when you start to look at a stakeholder that's got high influence, low interest, yeah. you treat them differently than a stakeholder that has high interest, yeah. high influence. Yep. And, and you've got to, so the stakeholder team, you got to kind of compartmentalize them as well too yeah, to figure true. out, well, who's my, who's my champions? Yeah. Who could be a negative stakeholder? Who's mm-hmm. going to be a fence sitter? Mm-hmm. And then that's the way you kind of, when you start managing yeah. that group, together you can get the project moved to move forward a lot quicker if you kind of yeah. settled settled those folks down. yeah yeah because um not to put another layer of complexity on this but to put another layer of complexity right. i mean from a cultural standpoint how do you see that play out because we're talking you know systems we're talking about you know project management systems and, right. and, and methods but when you layer culture if you were to graph each of these right do do you find that they they ebb and flow together or are they crossing on a, on a linear graph chart, if you would? I would say that they're ebb and flowing together. Yeah. Um, I, I, I expected have, you to and, say and, that. That's and they interesting. Have their, they have their moments. Yeah. You know, obviously, when you first go in there, it's a little bit of chaos. Yeah. You know, culturally, people are like, what's going on? Yeah. They're not yeah. too sure. Yes. What are we doing? Give it a couple months and then we're mm-hmm. starting to all kind of center. You know, get yeah. our synergy happening. Yeah, get the synergy and, um, and basically, you know, going towards the common goals. Yeah. And especially when you start tracking it and people see, like we, we use dashboards a lot. So people yeah. looking at the dashboards, right. looking at the tracking, going, oh, okay, I see what's going mm-hmm. on now. Tangibly see it. Exactly. Make them yeah. part of the vision. Yeah. Make sure that they can see the see your vision and then they typically buy into that. It, it's satisfying as a human to look at a dashboard, but... The impact that it has on the business, the production of the business, and ultimately the valuation of the business, I mean, is rewarding. Right? Yeah. So you want both satisfying and rewarding, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so with what you're what you're doing, you're, you're providing both. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, let, let's let's continue on because sure. this is this is information that um, I think most founders and entrepreneurs think about, but they don't necessarily follow through or if even if when they do they're they're still trying to understand all right what's the value of this investment that i'm making or you know because it can feel disruptive at first and and that's not a bad thing right because you're you're not in there to pat everyone's back and say all right keep doing what you're doing you know exactly i mean they can hire anyone to do that pretty much right mostly but you're going in there and, and you are being disruptive internally but um we, we talked about you know inside sales or outside sales right but it, you, you kind of redefine inside sales to me because you're inside selling the people within the organization on concepts or processes or procedures and systems that you know they they i mean wouldn't you agree likely they've all thought about these things along the way but they just didn't know how to there's a lot of that yeah you know you start to bring you start to bring it to the table yeah. and like you know we we thought about that what, six months ago. <laughs> They'll look at each other. Yeah. When was the last time we talked about yeah. that? Well, now it's real. It's go time. And yeah. I love it when they say that because I'd be like, okay, so you thought about this six <laughs> months ago? Can you remember what you said? Yeah. Let's go back six months now. Yeah. Talk to me. What was said? Mm-hmm. What, what did you What did you like about the idea? Yeah. What didn't you like about the idea? 
what was the risk you identified at the beginning? Yeah. You get a lot of good information of that. And then immediately they're always on board because they already thought about it six months mm -hmm. ago. So you've got the, you know, you've got that kind of working to your yeah. advantage. It, is, it was a good enough idea to think about, yeah. but no one, it sounds like maybe, maybe they didn't do a good job at executing or no one even took the time to execute on it because they were just so busy doing what they're doing. Busy doing what they're doing or, and eh, I'm not sure we want to spend these dollars right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now when you're, you know, you're looking at, at you know, doing an exit, doing a merge, whatever, yeah. you're, you're, you're now taking a look at, well, what are we going to spend to make this even mm. more valuable? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like it breathes a new life into some of these ideas that have been kicking around for 12 or six months. Yeah. And it re-energizes the team, which yeah. is, is needed in yep. terms of energy to drive forward. Right. And, yep. and, and to implement these things. Yep. Yeah. That's really, that's really powerful. It, it really is. And uh, it's those going back to those dashboards for folks to be within an organization, to be able to see that, you know, it is, is like I said, satisfying, but it also, it, 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 it allows them to see their contribution to the organization in real time. It's like, oh yeah, that was my idea exactly. or, or my yeah. thought, you know, ultimately led to why we're doing this in that certain way. Yeah. yeah that yeah. is cool. And when we come in with our tools, I'm very transparent. Yeah. I'm as, as transparent as the organization will let me. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, if it's a dashboard, it's likely a link yeah. that anybody can look at. That's important. Because you want them to see that. You want to say, yeah. well, that, that's that's my project. Yeah. Oh, look at it, look what it's doing. Yeah. 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 You certainly don't want a dashboards of everyone's salary. Yeah. <laughs> that's one dashboard exactly. you want to stay away from, right? Yeah. No, yeah. no and, and rightfully yeah. so, right? Yeah. We, we, we all have different contributions to organizations. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's just a distraction. You know, I think. I think we could all agree on that. Um, but, you know, in, in some of the, the closing comments and, and remarks here, um, you know, we talked about how you go in, how you engage everyone, uh, stakeholders, yep. leaders, operators. Um, and it's, that's important. And that is the art of what you do. Um, I, I know it's the art and what we do as well, because there's every, every case study is different. You know, you right. have... Yeah. You know, humans are the same wherever you go, you know, but there's different type of human behavior within an organization. And in, in the, depending on the mixture of those personalities, right, and strengths and experiences, it's, it's pretty powerful when you think about it. It's, I mean, if you were to take a company and try and replicate it exactly the same way, oh, yeah. it's hard to do because you would have to have the exact same people, yep. right, doing and working on the exact same projects to, you could replicate it within the organization, but to replicate it and create a competing organization, it'd be hard to do it without the same people. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you, you know, you, there's a whole other layer too of what yeah. happens when they leave the office and how does that impact? Yeah, you know yeah. how they perform, how they act when they're in the office, and yeah. you know, it's not always sunshine and, and, and rainbows and everything no. too. There are, you know, there are times when these announcements are made and people decide. That's that's my time to go. Yeah, and you get key stakeholders that just decide, I'm done. And, and I might be killing this movie for a few people, but I just took my family to see Wonka over the okay. weekend, and uh, the the mother who passes in the movie, sorry, um, she leaves uh, in in the chocolate bar. She tells him, uh, Wonka, yeah, uh, there's one secret ingredient in my chocolate, and she never told him before she passes but in the end of the movie he, 
unwraps the chocolate bar and says, the secret ingredient is is not in the chocolate. It's who you enjoy the chocolate with. Uh, interesting. And okay. and yeah. it kind of speaks to this. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay, yes, you could you could have all these ingredients, all these yeah. systems, but it's like, are you who are you running this company with? Who are you yeah. running these systems with? And just to connect those two, it's like, it's powerful though. It's because it's not. There's no magic pill. No. There's no magic ingredient. There's no book. There's no, no training. There's no. no yeah, exactly. It's a collection of right. Yeah. Yeah, so sorry, sorry to ruin the uh, ending to no, Wonka, it's but it's still, you, we, we all know where that movie ends because it's like a prequel exactly. to Willy Wonka, right? Exactly. So go see it. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Um, so, you know, with that said, though, you know, we, we walked through and talked through a lot here and, um, you know, but, you know, those that are looking to or contemplating to, you know, actively engage in evaluation or in an exit plan, um, you know, how can one focus on project management, you know, process improvement um, and strategic? We talked about uh, or we haven't talked about project recovery um, because that you and I both know significantly impact the success of that exit. And, and I, want to, I want to layer something on top of that is is the deal terms. Right. So. If I could say it this way, what you and your firm aren't able to complete within the organization i can tell you right now always ends up a point of negotiation in the deal terms from the deal side right right we talked about retention we talked about you know who's the glue that keeps the organization together you know and ultimately you want i like what you said earlier and if i heard you right you said you want to you want to build a program so that everyone can exit Right. Yeah. And, and when you do that, right, what that means in the, in the deal world is that if everyone could exit, then guess what? Everyone could exit and the, per, and the perception of risk of anyone exiting is low because if, if they're acquiring, you know, whether it's intellectual property or a system or a method, that's what you're coming in and, and you're, you're making sure that is there whether those individuals are there or not. And, and right. so, cause yeah. we will all exit, you know, some will retire, yep. some will move on, yep. you know, uh, unfortunately some of us will leave this earth. We don't know when, but we will. Um, but I, I love that for that reason, because if you were to say, Brian, we have this case there, they want to go to market and we design this plan. So everyone could exit, all the stakeholders could exit. You know, you know what I'm going to tell you. I'm, I'm going to say thank you so much. We can now pursue, you know, uh, bu- investors and buyers in the marketplace, that, and we can enable them to pay all cash for those types of transactions, gotcha. right? Because yeah. that's what it comes down yeah. to. Because those deal terms um, are ultimately the the, the 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 resolve for a perceived risk on the right. investor side, right? Right. So, you know, let's close out with a success story of, of you know, you, you come into a, a company, you've implemented, maybe it was a merger or a strategy for a roll-up. I mean, how did, how did that play Yeah, out? it's in, and kind of going off the whole everybody exiting, there was, yeah. there was a firm date. Okay. There was a date that was established. So wow. we have to come in and you have to treat those projects as time-bound. Mm. 
So if you think it's going to run over, you're applying more resources. You know, you're you're I see. putting more dollars, more people to it. Yeah. Because your time is fixed. Yeah. And um, we had one that basically everything was done from a project management perspective. All the projects were closed uh, about 45 days before the wow. before the the actual date. So yeah. um, it was great. It was just like okay, we're done. <laughs> now what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like On they, to the still, next. they still had 45 days to get to go before they wow. were just getting into that the closing stages. So that's that's good. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the fact that that particular one, each quarter we were evaluating the projects and we could see that they were getting the return on investment for the money yeah. that they were investing in having the projects managed for them, mm. as opposed to them trying to do it themselves with the skeleton staff. They were getting their return on investment on that. So yeah, it was it was just a good all around, just a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. In in. I mentioned to you earlier, I mean, if you were to uh, apply an ROI to the work that you're doing, I, I, I haven't done the work yet, but I, I, I would imagine once you calculate that, it's it's going to be in the hundreds, if not thousands of percent return on the work that your firm is doing, because this is this is the part of the transaction when it gets to the, you know, a transaction trigger um, to be able to represent an organization that has implemented the, you know, your work and your systems, I, I can tell you right now, it's going to be received so much better from the investor standpoint because they too have a time frame in which they're coming into that investment and also exiting that investment. You know, just right. when you look at private equity generally, I mean, there are some unique firms that don't have a particular due date, right? They could, ha- they could hold a company indefinitely. But most firms do have a deadline, right? Because they're raising capital and that capital has to be not only deployed, but then returned within a, let's say, three to five, maybe seven year window. Yep. And if they don't, you know, that's that's when, you know, it, from a capital perspective can cause those those investors to behave differently than what they otherwise would behave in a setting where they are meeting those deadlines. So it's impressive to me that you can come in all within a 12 month window, right? No more than a 12 month window and do the work that you're describing and pinpoint perfection of within a 45 day due date. That's impressive. (laughs) That's impressive. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good. And when you just realize right from day one, you were running, you were essentially running a time bound project. You know, Y2K was a time-bound oh, yeah. project. I remember you know, that. Exactly. So yeah. you're, you can't move yeah. that. When you know yeah. that right from the very beginning, you set your teams, you set your monitoring, you set your everything up to that. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. You know, as opposed to starting and then somebody yeah. coming and saying, oh, by the way, this is now your due date. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I haven't thought about Y2K in a while, but it's certainly motivated. It's, it is the best example uh, of it, a project really that is. could not even... A fraction of a second could not move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's true. Yeah. Well, Brian, thanks thanks for being here uh, with me and, and on the podcast and sharing your, your wisdom, your experiences. Um, I, I can definitely see how our firm and your firm could work together in the future. The work that you're doing is is not always prioritized, but my hope is for the sake of founders and entrepreneurs that they 
take the, these nuggets of information that you shared and work hard and carefully to advance their businesses as they're looking to grow, scale, and ultimately exit their companies. And you know, you know, if if a if a client that we have is is ready for that exit, great. But you know, this is this podcast was designed to help those that are you know three to five to seven years yep. away. And, and I would even say even a year away, right? I'd say one to seven years away from an exit because if we could empower them and enable them to implement, you know, systems or bring on tools or professionals to improve and enhance those companies for, for the market, everybody wins. And, and, and that's our goal. I mean, ultimately, sincerely, truly, that's our goal for them because every time our client wins, we we went alongside with them so we are become one of their biggest cheerleaders but we you know wanted to be more than that with this podcast you know um, we'll of course we'll still cheer them on but we also want to coach them and guide them and lead them you know to professionals like yourself and so what we'll do uh in this recording and when the podcast launches and if obviously if you're listening it's already launched but we will have uh links to contact you and your team. So if anyone's interested in this sort of work that you do, they can certainly reach out to you and, and, and get ready to be amazed because <laughs> what you're going to do for them is very powerful. No, I appreciate that because everybody is experts in their own yes. field. We yes. just happen to be experts in the art of organization, prioritization, and just getting it done. That's 100% right. Yeah. Well, Brian, thank you for being on this episode. Thank and you for having me. This we'll, great. Of course, we'll stay in touch yeah. and, uh, you know, we'll keep, keep a pulse on any future projects that we could work on with one another, uh, ultimately for the enhancements, uh, enhancement of, of those listening in. So, yeah. you know, thank you, Brian. Thank right, you for thank making you. your way out. And thank you for joining us on another episode of Private Capital Mastery. Make sure you tune in next week where we are going to unpack and unveil more of the playbook when it comes to exiting your companies. Thank you for being with me here. I'm Brian Franco, and I'll see you soon.